0: President Donald Trump has announced his pick to replace the late Judge Ginsburg as the next Supreme Court judge. Any further legislative action on another economic stimulus bill seems to be overshadowed by the nomination of Judge Barrett. She's being promoted on the right as a constitutionalist and a pro-life advocate, which is leading many pro-life supporters to believe that the Roe v. Wade decision could potentially be overturned if Judge Barrett is confirmed. There are already many states with laws heavily regulating abortions. But still, organizations like Planned Parenthood and the National Abortion Federation have been able to perform abortion operations across the U.S. It is possible after more than 45 years of abortion being legalized, that the president and a right-leaning Supreme Court could potentially outlaw abortion in the U.S. But how will this affect tax-paying citizens? Whether or not abortion clinics should be able to receive government funds has been a hot topic in recent years. What will happen if the pro-life movement succeeds? Let's find out. I'm Alan Lanier, and this is The Economic State. Following the passing of Judge Ruth Bader Ginsburg, President Donald Trump has nominated Judge Amy Coney Barrett for the Supreme Court. This will be the third Supreme Court nomination during the Trump administration. President Trump nominated both Judge Gorsuch and Judge Kavanaugh. If Judge Barrett is confirmed, that will add to an already right-leaning majority in the Supreme Court. CNBC reported that hearings to consider President Donald Trump's nominee to fill the Supreme Court seat vacated after the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg are set to begin October 12th, Senator Lindsey Graham said late Saturday. The announcement from Graham, who leads the Senate Judiciary Committee, came hours after Trump formally named Amy Coney Barrett as his selection the third nomination of his tenure so far. The move coming less than 40 days before the November 3rd general election shows the accelerated timeline in which Trump and other Republicans hope to install Barrett. Because this is the president's third nomination, and it comes before a major election, it has drawn a lot of attention to the nominee. Many media organizations are running multiple pieces daily to find out who the potential Supreme Court judge is and what her beliefs are. Considering that the Supreme Court is able to drastically change health care with one decision, pro-choice advocates want to know everything about her. According to Barrons, Barrett, 48, currently serves as a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit, which covers Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin, and is based in Chicago. President Trump nominated her to the bench in May 2017, and the Senate confirmed her on October 31, 2017. She graduated from Notre Dame Law School in 1997 and clerked for the Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia from 1998 to 1999. Like Scalia, Barrett has described her legal philosophy as originalist, meaning that she believes law should be interpreted based on the perspectives of the people who wrote them at the time. Barrett has taught law at Notre Dame Law School since 2002. President Trump and conservatives would like to confirm Judge Barrett quickly. Judge Trump has stated, That he would like to have her confirmed before the election. Democrats have vocalized their disagreement with the Rush confirmation, and have asked Barrett to recuse herself from the election decision if she is confirmed on time. Only the Senate has control of when she is confirmed, and only Barrett can decide whether or not to recuse herself. If Judge Barrett is confirmed, that will mean a right-leaning 6-3 court. Six judges were nominated by Republican presidents, and three were nominated by Democrat Presidents. The Supreme Court's decisions during the Obama administration helped enact liberal policies, including supporting the Affordable Care Act and legalizing same-sex marriage. After the Trump administration elected both Judge Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, the Court became more centered in its decisions. Now, conservatives may have a majority support in the Supreme Court. The New York Times stated that partisans on both sides have not made a secret of their plans to use the confirmation fight for political gain. For Democrats, it is a chance to rally their base and donors by highlighting the suddenly very real prospect of a Republican president and Senate delivering a long-lasting conservative Supreme Court majority that could strike down some of the hardest-fought victories of the last half century, including the Affordable Care Act and the Rights to Abortion. For Republicans, it represents an opportunity to secure support from leery conservatives who may have drifted from President Trump, and to energize core parts of the Republican base, including evangelical evangelical and Catholic voters, by elevating issues of religion and accusing Democrats of religious intolerance for opposing Judge Barrett, an observant Catholic who is a member of a self-described charismatic Christian community called People of Praise. Democrats and liberals are concerned that Judge Barrett's confirmation could lead to Roe v. Wade being overturned, the only thing standing between pro-choice supporters and legal abortion operations. Evangelical and religious conservatives are praising Donald Trump for the move. According to CNN, interest in Barrett and her background has been intensified by the condensed timeframe Republicans have laid out for her potential confirmation. That she would be replacing the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a liberal icon and supporter of abortion rights, has only heightened the tensions surrounding the nomination, the nomination process. Barrett's religious beliefs came up during 2017 confirmation hearings to her current seat on the 7th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. California Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein questioned whether the nominee could separate her faith from legal opinions. At issue then, as it is now, is how her faith would inform her approach, especially on legal challenges to abortion rights. Barrett said at the time that her personal views would have no bearing on the discharge of my duties as a judge. On abortion or any other question before the court. Abortion and healthcare are two of the most intensely debated topics in Washington. How abortions are paid is no less intense of an issue. Last week, Trump signed an executive order mandating facilities receiving federal funding to provide premature infants, babies born after failed abortions, or babies born with disabilities, emergency medical care. Let's discuss how much money clinics receive from the government and what you can expect if abortion is declared illegal. The most apparent issue that will be affected by the nomination is the possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned thus allowing states to ban abortions almost completely. Although abortion clinics receive income from many streams, a large portion of income comes from government funding and Medicaid reimbursements. Federal funding for abortion is only legal under certain circumstances. The Washington Times reported that financial records show the nonprofit Planned Parenthood received more taxpayer dollars in the fiscal year ending last June than ever before, $617 million through Medicaid and other health service program reimbursements and grants, constituting 37% of its overall revenue. Federal funds are borrowed from paying for abortions, and Planned Parenthood says abortion represents a single-digit fraction of the services it provides to more than 2 million people annually, including breast cancer screening, pap smears, and contraceptives. In August, the nation's largest abortion provider said it was voluntarily leaving the federal Title X program, a family planning program administered by the Department of Health and Human Services, which awards $286 million annually in medical grants. The Trump administration issued new rules barring providers from offering referrals for patients to facilities that provide abortions. Many abortion clinics, including Planned Parenthood, dropped out of the Title X program, a major source of funding for clinics. Now, clinics funding will fall on private donors, state programs, and Medicaid reimbursements. Many states have adopted their own laws on abortion. Depending on which state you live in, your state taxes could be paying for an abortion operation. The Hyde Amendment only applied to federal funding, meaning states could apply or expand the legal criteria to state funding. According to the Guttmacher Institute, a pro-choice research facility, 33 states and the District of Columbia follow the federal standard, and provide abortions in cases of life endangerment, rape, and incest. Four of these states also provide state funds for abortions in cases of fetal impairment. Four of these states also provide state funds for abortions that are necessary to prevent grave, long-lasting damage to the woman's physical health. One state provides abortions only in cases of life endangerment, in apparent violation of federal standards. Sixteen states have a policy that directs Medicaid's to pay for all or most medically necessary abortions. Seven of these states provide such funds voluntarily. Nine of these states do so pursuant of a court order. To put things into perspective, let's look at data from 2014. A long time ago, I know, but still is relevant. In 2014, a total of 652,639 abortions were reported to the CDC. The Guttmacher Institute reported that, in states that follow the Hyde standard, Medicaid paid for only 1.5% of abortions in 2014. That means more than 9,700 abortions were paid for by taxpayers in 2014 through Medicaid, which is a combination of federal and state funds. Now that there are less clinics using Title X funds, state governments and private donors will most likely pick up the slack. As far as Roe v. Wade is concerned, if overturned, zero federal tax dollars would be used to pay for abortions. However, depending on what state you live in, your state taxes could be used to pay for an abortion through Medicaid or government-funded supplemented health care. Well, that's our show for the week. Thank you for watching. And for those of you on podcast, thank you for listening. I'm Alan Lanier, and this was The Economic State. We'll see you next week.